glad to have you at our Fresh Life churches, those joining on Church Online. Come on, let's thank those. Everybody with us, those we can see, those we can't see, people at our network sites, really glad to have you here as we start up a brand new series of messages uh, that I'm calling Rock and Soul. Rock and Soul. Say it with me. It just sounds so nice. Rock and Soul. Rock and Soul. And if you have a Bible, you can join me in Psalm chapter 23. And we're talking about in this series the outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. The outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. I believe that God wants you to have a sense of stability in life. That even when life is uncertain, that there's a stability to you, that you, like the Apostle Paul, would be steadfast and immovable and be able to just absolutely kill what God wants you to do every day long, eight days a week. Come on, the outer stability that comes from an inner tranquility. That's what we're talking about in the Rock and Soul series. And we're going to be spending some time, actually all the way to summertime, talking through this well-known, well-loved, often quoted, regularly memorized passage of scripture, Psalm 23. And I think that you know, so often we can, with a passage of scripture like this that we've seen on posters and that we kind of more or less know, sort of miss out on the chance to look again, to look again. Uh, but though we, many of us, know it, and I will challenge you, if you don't, man, learn this, this psalm by the end of the series. Know it by heart. We're going to start out every message. We'll do it in a moment by just saying it together out loud. And we will put it up on the screen for you. But I would just really challenge you to get it deep down into your soul. And as you do, don't ever, you should never do this in any part of God's word, don't ever think because you've read it before or you know it really well or you've even studied it before that you've gotten out of it all that is there. Speaking of Psalm 23, I love what Adrian Rogers said. He put it this way. He said, it's as sweet to the child as it is perplexing to the scholar. As sweet to the child as it is perplexing to the scholar. And it's funny, I did a pretty lengthy study of the psalm a while back, years and years ago. But as I've been spending time preparing for it, really marinating in it uh, for this series, I've just found myself feeling like I, I, I never have even read it before. Like, I'm like, what is this? Where is this chapter in the Bible that I've never read? Because the things that God's been teaching me and speaking to me have just been just marvelous. So who's excited just to go on this adventure on the outset of it, just with faith to say, God's going to speak fresh things to me. You know, it's a song. Of course, you probably know that. It's in the book of Psalms. It's in this book, a collection of songs written by a bunch of different people. Most of them were written by David. And this is probably David's most famous, most you know, chart-topping, most successful poem he ever wrote. Though he's a humble shepherd, this thing rivals William Shakespeare in its lyrical beauty. And it's just been preserved and held up and adored and, and loved for so very long. My friend, Pastor Louis Giglio, he calls it the soundtrack to victory. I like that. And I think that God's really just going to lead us to victory, bring us to a place of just being triumphant in our, in our lives because of this stability that we're going to have, that God wants us to experience. It's going to come, from, of all places, from this inner sense of tranquility, this, this, this state of your soul that's going to say, it is well, no matter what's happening in life. So let's read it together. We'll begin uh, off the screen, Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's do it all out loud. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. You just got to feel better after spending some time with that. And Father, we ask that you would speak to us loud and clear through this passage that conjures up these images of a sheep being so well taken care of by its shepherd that he could boast to other sheep he meets around town. He could boast to them, I I have a great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And God, from this, this passage that has this pastoral scene that we think of, God, I pray you'd speak fresh revelation. Open our eyes. God, change our lives. Give us help and healing. The battles that we're facing out there, they're real and they're hard and life is scary. And that's not going to go away necessarily. But God, we know that you are strong and you are able and you are kind. And so we just look to you. Even if we don't know what to do in this life, we just look to you right now. Quiet us and calm us with your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together. Amen. I want to spend uh, today's message really honing in on the first verse. And let's remind ourselves how David begins this thing. He starts off saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I know it's tempting to rush ahead to valleys of shadows of death and anointed head with oil. But we really got to start there. We got to start with this foundation that everything springs forth from. Matter of fact, someone said all 115 words that follow are really David's way of expounding on the first two words, the Lord, the Lord. That's the beginning of the whole thing. 117 words in this psalm and 115 of them are just backing up the first two words, the Lord. Come on, let's start right there, the Lord. Let's lift our eyes from the earth to the heavens. Let's look to God. Let's set our eyes on the Lord. That's how he begins. The Lord, he says, is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm calling this first message, this kickoff message, I'm calling it upon this rock. Upon this rock. I love it so much. Upon this rock. Those were words that Jesus spoke to Peter, right? They were at Caesarea Philippi. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 16. And he took his disciples to this unique spot, Caesarea Philippi. It's the, the base of Mount Hermon, and it's also the headwaters to the Jordan River. Now, in the ancient world, anytime water came out of the ground, like today, it's significant. Anytime you find a spring, anytime you find a source of water, that's an important place. But back then, they tended to make those places, you know, centers of deity because they believed that the rivers, you know, and, and the gods were all kind of connected. So Caesarea Philippi was a place where a lot of different gods were idolized and worshipped and deified. The Canaanites chose this spot to be a significant place for Baal worship. Believe it or not, the Greeks and the Romans chose for this place to be a place where they worshiped the god Pan because there was this cave they thought was bottomless and there's water at the bottom of it. It's funny that there's water at the bottom of a bottomless cave. Don't get me started. But so they worshiped the god Pan there. And uh, even Herod got in on the party and built an enormous temple to deify and to worship and to exalt the, the, the man who claimed to be God, Caesar 
Augustus. And so here's a place, get this, where Baal is God, where Pan is God, and where Caesar is God, depending on who you ask. And he took the disciples there, and there, standing at that spot with the waters gurgling out that would lead to the Jordan River, he said this to his disciples one day, hey, who do people say that I am? The question was, what's the word on the street about me? What are people tweeting about me? What's the trending hashtag about Jesus Christ? Like, what, what's, what's the scuttlebutt, right? Like, what are people saying about me? I never thought I would ever use that word in my life, just did. So sort of check that off the list, right? What are people, who do men say that I am? His disciples said this, well, some people say you're JB, Justin Bieber. No, John the Baptist. Some people say you're J the B. That's what some people say, because you're a lot like him. John the Baptist had his head cut off. Matter of fact, Herod thought that maybe Jesus was John the Baptist reincarnated to get back at him for the things he had done. So that's what some people were saying. Other people were saying, yo, this guy's a lot like Elijah. Elijah, who is this mighty miracle-working prophet of the Old Testament. Some people say, man, it's eerily reminiscent of Elijah. Still, other people said, this guy's like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, because Jesus had his broken heart. He, was easy. he would weep over people who wouldn't let him do what he wanted to do in their hearts and lives. So some people said, you're a lot like Jeremiah. And then still other people said, he's like one of the other prophets, which I love that even back then, the minor prophets were still getting lumped together like in this crappy category, right? You just got to love that. Jeremiah, you know, and then the other prophets, right? The ones we don't even, Jonah, right? <laughs> the ones we actually don't know about. But, but then honing in, not letting them get off the hook so easily with just who do people say that I am, Jesus made it specific and said this. He said, and it's perhaps the most important question anyone will ever get asked. Who do you say that I am? All right, that's cool. That's the word on the street. Who do you say that I am? And they all kind of were rocked back on their heels a bit, but not Peter, because Peter was never afraid to just rush in. And this was a time when it served him well, because here's what Peter said. He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. You're the son of the living God. You are the Christ. And Jesus, Jesus said, this revelation did not come to you from man. He said, you are Peter. That's a name that means rock. You're, you're the rock, right? He said this, but he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Upon this rock, I'm going to build a church that the gates of hell will not be able to extinguish. Upon what rock? Peter? No, he's Peter. He's saying, you're a pebble. You're, you're a pebble. This doesn't come from man. Man, matter of fact, you read the rest of Matthew 16. He's calling Jesus, he's calling, he's telling Jesus not to go to the cross. And Jesus calls him the devil like 12 seconds later. That's not the rock that anything's going to get built off of. What was the rock? He said, you're a pebble, but out of your mouth just came out a boulder. You're a pebble, but out of your mouth just came a boulder. That is to say the boulder, the rock that Jesus builds his church on is the confession that he is Lord. He is God. You are the Christ, Jesus, and you are the son of the living God. That is a boulder that the world, the world can do nothing about. The gates of hell can do nothing to extinguish. And a thousand years before this conversation took place, David had the sense to speak the same boulder when he said, my shepherd is the Lord. My shepherd is the Lord. Now, let me tell you something about your life. You have a shepherd, and I have a shepherd. Everyone has a shepherd. In fact, the most important thing about you is really how you finish this blank, how you fill in the blank. Blank is my shepherd. What is Psalm 23, verse 1, according to you. 
Your shepherd is whatever you build your life on. And for some of us, it's work. Work is my shepherd. For some of us, it's my friends are my shepherd or my feelings are my shepherd. I build my life on how I feel in the moment. My desires are my shepherd. My appetites are my shepherd. Power is my shepherd. Nature is my shepherd. Sports is my shepherd. Adrenaline is my shepherd. My mom or my dad is my shepherd. Everybody has a shepherd. Everybody builds their life on something. Everybody looks to something to be fed, to be guided, to be shielded by, to be driven by, to be fed by, to be guided by, to be shielded by, to be driven by. That's what a shepherd does. And only if you are able to say what David said, what Peter said, Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is my shepherd. Only if you can start out the the verse like David did, the Lord is my shepherd, can you finish it like David did when he said, I shall not want. What other shepherd can deliver so big? Whatever shepherd can do so good? You make money your shepherd, money can be taken away. You make sports your shepherd, you could break your knee, you're out of the game. You make your career your shepherd, the economy can go topsy-turvy. We can go to war. People will let you down. Jobs will let you down. Nations will let you down. Kings will let you down. But Jesus never let anybody down. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He was dead. He is alive. He lives forevermore. And when you build your soul on the rock with the capital R, then all around you can give way. But then on Christ, you can stand. He's a solid rock versus any other thing, which will turn out to be sinking sand because all other shepherds are fragile. But our God, he is a rock. Our God, he is a king. There is no God like our God. And so what we're trying to do in this series is, is tether our souls with an, an inner tranquility that then can, can, can buoy us in, in the midst of all the chaos of this world with an outer sense of stability. That's what God has for you. I'm believing big things for the weeks to come, even those of you joining us week by week on the podcast or watching this on, on Church Online. I want to kind of attack this now from three different angles and really highlight three different benefits of making the Lord your shepherd, of speaking what Peter did, upon this rock, I'm gonna build my life, upon this life, this, this rock, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make everything else uh, connect to and spring out of, and I'm gonna live my life with the, the rock and soul principle going on. Three different benefits, you can jot them down. The first is identity, identity. You know, what's funny to me about Psalm 23 is if you've ever seen it painted, if you've ever seen it illustrated, what what is there always going to be? Sheep. Always sheep. It's always the shepherd's crook. If you've seen it illustrated, if you've seen it in any way, even just when 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 we were all just reading it a moment ago, weren't you just almost like picturing sheep? But there's not a sheep to be found in the psalm. Not a single one. There's not a single little lamb anywhere. There's 400 mentions of sheep in the Bible, but not in Psalm 23, interestingly enough. Why do we feel like I'm made to be a sheep? Why does David seem to be describing himself as a sheep? Answer, because he calls the Lord a shepherd. Big takeaway truth here, don't miss this. When you know who he is, you discover who you are. If the Lord's a shepherd, I don't got to tell you I'm a sheep. I automatically become one once he is my shepherd. Get this. 
culture lies. Our culture has sold us this thing. That we all need to find ourselves. Go find yourself. You just need to go on a journey of self-discovery. You just need to go out into the wild and just really find out who you are. Here's the problem. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. And in your flesh, your fallen nature dwells no good thing. That's the problem. We all like sheep have gone astray. So this whole thing, the, the, the reason we need to be described as a sheep with a shepherd is because we're a bit like sheep and we've all gone astray and we've all messed up. And so we go out seeking help. We looked in here to see what's, what's, what's to be made straight. And all that's going to do is create problems and lead to more rebellion and create more issues. And, and, and that's clearly what was on David's mind here when he says, you know, what, God, I'm just going to make you my shepherd. Because once God becomes a shepherd, then you start to figure out who you are. So the answer isn't to seek out who you are, but to seek out who your Savior has said he is. When you know who he is, you'll discover who you are. He's a shepherd. Therefore, you're going to be fed and guided and taken care of and shielded and driven by him. He's a father. Therefore, you're his son. You're his daughter. He's a defender. So you'll be taken care of. He's a provider. So your needs will be met. He's coming again. So you'll rule and you'll reign. He is grace, so you are forgiven. He's the friend of sinners, so you have a friend. He is good, so you don't have to be afraid of him. You see, when we know who he is, it sets things right for us. So we need to come to a place where we find our identity, not by seeking it, but by seeking him. And the word that David chose to use, Lord, it's a very important word. It's the word that, that basically means I am. And you can call it Jehovah or you can call it Yahweh. But here's what it means. The one who was and is and is to come. And we know this is Jesus because he used in John's gospel, the eighth chapter, this exact word to describe himself. He said before Abraham ever lived, because they were talking about how awesome Abraham was. And he said before he ever came along, I am. And so here's what you need to know about God. Well, as you find him, you're going to find out that he is I am to you. He is I am right now. Whatever you feel like you're not, whatever you feel like you don't have. So many times in life we feel like I just don't have what it takes. I just can't do this. I just, I just don't have it because we think I'm not. But God says to you, I am. I am. I am. So whatever he has in his power, you have. Whatever you don't have, he wants to supply. So what you're not, he is. What you can't, he can. So focus on him. Don't find yourself. Lose yourself in him. That's a powerful thing to walk in. Identity. There's a second, though. It's not just identity. We also, we're tapped into ownership when the Lord is our shepherd. Ownership. And by that, I mean we are owned by him. I mean that just like, like it sounds. You know, sheep don't have in their shepherd uh, a leader. They have an owner. Sheep don't have in a shepherd someone who they're, they're under their authority. Sheep are property. I'm not like reporting for duty, sir. What do you want me to do today? Like, no, it's like your, your property, you're owned by him. And clearly that's what was on David's mind here because he used the same analogy in Psalm 100, verse 3, when he said this, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Therefore, we are the people, his people, and the sheep of his pasture. 
if I want to start herding sheep, I'm going to go down to a, a livestock auction. I'm going to buy myself a sheep, and the sheep becomes mine. And that, if you're a believer, is what you're tapped into. In fact, what David said and what I just said, you can mix them together. You can say, we're doubly his. We're his times two. As an illustration, I brought with me something that's mine. This book is mine. This is my book. I can, my name's right on it. My name's on this book. I, this is my book. I, who, who made this book? I did. I, I did. Lots and lots of hours. I made this book. But you know what's funny about this book? I bought it too. Why did I do that? I'm silly. I wanted to see what would happen if I bought one on Amazon. I, my wife bought one too. She bought a ton. I'm like, you need to stop. The publisher's going to send us some because we made it. But we were both excited to buy some, and it came in the mail. And I can hold this today in front of you just like God can say of you, you're doubly mine. You're mine because I made you, but you're mine because I bought you. I paid for you with the, the blood of my son. I love you that much. Come on, somebody. We are owned by God. God. We are his people. That just shows how much he loves us. He didn't just make us. When we went astray like sheep, he bought us too. So he says, I really, 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 really like you. That's what he's saying over your life today. And, and what's so cool about this, this is, my, this is my favorite thing. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Because we belong to him, we always belong with him. We always belong with him. We have an answer for one of our most basic human needs, the need to belong. How many dumb things I've done in my life to try and belong? How many stupid things I wish I could take back? I did because I wanted to belong with a group of people. I wanted to belong somewhere. I, 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 just, I just wonder if you can think of a time in your life when you didn't feel like you fit in, where you feel like you stood out when you felt like you weren't wanted, when you felt like you weren't cared for, when you weren't dressed well enough, when you couldn't speak well enough, or you couldn't do a sport well enough, or you just weren't cool enough, or your parents weren't this way or that way. And we walk into environments in this world all the time, and we, we stand there, and we, we crave to be liked. We, we crave to be, I don't care what part of the country you live in or what your background is, all of us want to walk up to a group of people and have, and have the, the, the warmth of an embrace and to be celebrated as we are arrived and have someone speak our name and say, it's so good to see you. It's so good that you're here. And we walk around this cold world and we're just looking for craving and we're just looking for someone to celebrate us. Someone said once that our two of our most, most deep fundamental needs are to be needed and to be known. To be needed and to be known. To be wanted, to be welcome. But that's the power of an owner who made us and then bought us is that we always have a place where we belong. We can rush into his courts with thanksgiving. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can rush into his arms. We always are welcome. We always are wanted. We're never a burden. He's always glad to see us, to lavish his love upon us, to forgive us, to restore us, to commission us in his business with his signet ring on our finger. As ambassadors, a part of the family business. And that's what's so powerful about the church 
is that we then become on our best day a community where we celebrate anyone who comes in, where they can belong even before they believe or behave, where, where you are welcome here to explore God, to come to know Jesus, and you're welcome to be loved by us. You may not have any other place in the world where this is true of you. You may have 100 places, but let me tell you something. At Fresh Life Church, welcome home. You're welcome here. You belong here. We love you. We are glad you're here. We celebrate you being with us in this moment. It doesn't matter how bad you feel. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter if you had an abortion last week or you, 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 you took a life, you made a mistake. I'm telling you, we love you. We are glad that you are here. And God loves you and wants to lavish his love upon you. And that's a power of having a shepherd is that when it comes to the flock, you have a place to be at home. Isn't that wonderful? How great is our God? And that's not even the end of it. That's not even the end of the story. Because our text doesn't just say the Lord is my shepherd. He, he does say that. He says the Lord is my shepherd, showing that he was willing to make us and he was willing to buy us. Oh, and by the way, before we move on, how differently do you take care of a property that you're a renter of versus one that you've bought? So even just that right there, that we know God has skin in the game and he cares. He has a vested interest. We're, we're an investment property for him. And he wants to chip away at the parts of us that are holding us back. He wants us to become who we were born to be, not so we can be loved by him, but because we are loved by him. That was already settled at the cross last time I checked. So now we can relax and settle in and let him get to work in our souls because he's our owner and he wants, to, he wants us to be just a dazzling display of what his grace can do in a life. He loves us just as we are, but doesn't, isn't content to leave us as we are. He wants to move us from grace to grace and glory to glory, that who we are today wouldn't even resemble who we're going to become. And that should the Lord tarry, we'll look back on ourselves today 10 years from now and we'll go, I can't even believe that was me because I'm so strong now. I'm so, I'm, I've grown so much now. I've seen God do such a triumph of his power in me. I'm a trophy showcasing his grace. But that's not even the end of the story. It's not just the Lord is my shepherd. He then taps into this powerful declaration. Then I shall not want. I shall not want. So then we don't just have identity and ownership, but we also have contentment. Contentment. And there is such power in contentment. There's such power in knowing that he is your supply and an inexhaustible one at that. Now, let's be clear about what this doesn't mean and what this does mean. Because this contentment that the shepherd provides, it doesn't mean that you will always have what you want. And it doesn't mean that you will want all that you have. But it does mean that right now and ever and always, you have what you need. That's what it means. Not that you always are going to have what you want. And not always that you're going to want what you have, but that you always, so long as you're under his care, are going to have what you need. Because shepherds provide endless attention and meticulous care. And if the sheep has it, it's because he know, the shepherd knows he can handle it. And if the sheep doesn't have it, that means he's not ready for it yet. So right now in your life, there are things that you probably wish that you had. 
So I, I realize that feels like a contradiction because he says, I shall not want, but right now I'm telling you, I want this. I want that even, I might feel like God does want me to have this. But you know, some things that we are meant to have, we're not ready to have yet. As illustration of that, I point you to the prodigal son. The prodigal son's problem wasn't that he wanted something he wasn't supposed to have. He wanted something he wasn't ready for yet. He was supposed to get that inheritance. He actually said that to his father. Give me the portion of goods that is going to fall to me. It was going to come to him. But in the father's good timing, when, when the father left this world, he would get it. He just wanted it early. And right now in our lives, all of us, there's probably some antsiness to tap into and to have something that we are meant to have. It's a good thing. But a blessing becomes a burden when you get it out of season. You can get something that you're not ready for, and it can destroy you. So you should just have a peace that if you don't have it right now, you're not meant to have it in God's good timing. He'll provide it. Some of us also, secondarily, we have things we don't want. We sometimes don't have what we want, but other times we have something. I wish I didn't have that. You might have a part of your story, a part of your journey, a pain that you're carrying, and you could say, I don't want this. I didn't ask to have this. I, 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 other people I see, they get to live without this. But if you have it, it's because God is going to use it. And I speak that tenderly, and I speak that graciously, and I speak that softly. I wouldn't want to just cavalierly say some horrible thing that you've walked into that God did not cause. The enemy causes all evil to be in this world, but God is going to redeem what he had to allow. And so you might not have what you want, and you might not want what you have. But as God sees the end from the beginning, as he does, as the Alpha and the Omega, as the one who was and is and is to come, that you can today believe you have what you need. Do you receive that from God? Now, now, now listen to me. I, I brought an illustration. And the illustration of this principle in action is the very psalm that we are spending these weeks studying. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. This whole idea of paths of righteousness for his name's sake and this idea of the valley of the shadow of death, all of these images that have meant so much to us. How much does this all mean to you? It means so much. You know, you realize for most of us, it's the first verse of scripture any of us ever learned as our mom or our dad or someone precious in the sight of God whispered it to us and trusted it to our young hearts. Don't you love that? That it's for many of us the very first passage of scripture that we ever can really, if you look back far enough, remember consciously saying or memorizing. And get this, for many of us, these will be the final words of scripture that we ever hear or we ever cling to before we leave this world and go home. As it is spoken, I know I myself as a pastor, countless times in hospital rooms. These are, these are words that have been precious to people who are young and people who are old, and they're fit for every stage in between. I like how my friend Max Lucado put it of Psalm 23. He said, do more beloved words exist framed and hung in hospital halls, scratched on prison walls, quoted by the young, whispered by the dying. In these lines, sailors have found a harbor. The frightened have found a father and strugglers have found a friend. 
And yet, do you realize in the midst of the power of these words, this is a psalm that would not have existed, perhaps, had David got what he wanted instead of what God knew he needed. You're like, what do you mean exactly? David, as a young man, wanted to be a soldier and in fact was destined to be a soldier, a warrior, poet, king. But the pastoral themes of a sheep and a shepherd and all of this only were baked into his soul to come out in the form of the most powerful song ever written because he, God knew, needed to be put out to pasture. While all of his brothers got to go fight a battle, David was pushed out and sent out to do a job nobody would want to do. Go take care of those sheep. And I myself know as a young man how easy it might have been to say, you know what, Dad? You could find someone else. The rest of your brothers are lame. I have greatness on me. Don't you know I was anointed by the prophet? Don't you know I'm supposed to be somebody? I'm going out to the city. I'm going to go and list no matter what you say. I'm going to go and find myself. I'm going to go and discover myself. But he put himself under the authority of the Lord. He put himself under the leading of his dad. And he went and he selflessly served. And he took care of these sheep, having no idea that doing something he didn't want to do, God was prepared him for what he all along was born to tap into. So my question I want to ask you is this, what do you despise today that the world will be thankful for tomorrow? Because David never would have become the king that he was built to be had he not been the shepherd submitted to the will of the Father. So I just dare you, when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to provision, when it comes to influence, when it, when it comes to any of these things that our hearts at times want to leave God's path to go and get for ourselves, then you should just say today, prophesying over your future, I will have no want. God's going to take care of me. I might not have what I want, and I might not want what I have, but God is good, and God is big, and so I have everything I need. Come on, that's what the author of the book of Hebrews said. In Hebrews 13, he said, be content with such things as you have. For God himself has said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my helper. Upon this rock I will stand. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on, lift up your voice and thank the Lord. Come on, give him a shout of praise. If you believe he's your shepherd. Build your life on that rock. Build your life on his name. His name is Jesus. He leads us in triumph. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the one who was and is and is to come. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching in the Rock and Soul series. I love that we're learning about the outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. And if at any time during this teaching you made a decision to accept Jesus, congratulations, that's the best decision that you'll ever make and we're so excited for you. Now we would love to send you a Bible in the mail and you can receive that by filling out a form by clicking the No God button on our website or you can text the word Fresh Life, all one word with no spaces, to 99000 and we'd love to get that Bible in the mail for you. And if you'd like to partner with us above and beyond your tie to your local church, there are several ways that you can do that. You can text the word FRESH to 45777, or you can click the Give button at freshlife.church or give through the Fresh Life app. 
Now finally, if what God is doing at Fresh Life Church has impacted you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. You can email your story into us by emailing story at freshlife.church or you can click Know God on our website and then click the Share Your Story button and share with us that way. That's fuel for our fire and we love hearing from you. Thank you again for joining us for the Rock and Soul series.